and welcome to This Girl Cam, where we chat to wonderful women doing fabulous things in pharma. I'm Liv Nixon, and today I'm chatting to Liana Lubel, Global Head of Strategic Insights at Abbott. Liana is now based in Switzerland, but being born in Mexico and having lived in France and the US with a partner who spends half the year in Thailand, it's fair to say she's about as multicultural as you can get. Her anything-is-possible mindset, coupled with her passion for mentorship and disrupting the norms of society, makes her so engaging. I'm delighted to have the chance to chat with her on the show. So let's get going. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show. Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. You're very welcome. Liana, I'm really excited to get talking to you. So um, before we start, please tell us all about yourself and how you came to be where you are now. Great. So I'm, I'm not sure where to start, but um, right now I am living in Switzerland and I'm actually working for Abbott. And in Abbott, I am responsible globally uh, for what we call strategic insights and analytics. Um, but really, I was born and raised in Mexico. And so quite a bit of a different society, Mexico from Switzerland. However, my family is not at all from Mexico. So I was born in Mexico, but my family is pretty multicultural. Uh, and I have family from all over the place, which actually made me quite open to sort of change. And I think that that is what helped me explore Europe as an opportunity to go to work. And in a personal life, I don't have kids, but I was married. I am divorced. I have a, a really cool partner that supports me all the way. Um, yeah. And I have been living in Switzerland now for six years. So where did you meet your partner? So I met him in Switzerland. He's uh, German, but I met him in Switzerland. And you get to travel around all over the place, don't you? Yeah, we both love traveling. It's actually really nice because he's super supportive of my career. He's also, I have to say, super ambitious and driven. However, we have, I think we have a quite a nice balance of trying to support each other. And we try to make both of our objectives work. Uh, it's not always the easiest, right? Sometimes we need to sit down and really talk about it. Um, but he has, he's more of an entrepreneur, which obviously helps, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that helps us actually balance. And it's, it's just actually really nice to know that there is someone that supports me and, and that where we can actually really grow together, right? Um, even if it's probably at, at one point more of my objective or, or, or at his point more of his objective. But for example, now um, he's, he doesn't really like winters that much. And so he's able to be for the winter in Thailand for five months. And so while I don't get to be with him because I can't work from home all the time for five months, but I go back and forth in winter to be able to be with him in, uh, in Thailand, right? And that way we make, sort of make it work for him. He's working from there and me, I can continue my career and then we can, I mean, technology today help us to be connected. So that's actually great. And you get to spend New Year's Eve in Thailand, so. <laughs> yes. 
not bad at all. So I can complain. Just I can't all right. actually like no. <laughs> That's right. So Liana, I'm interested in knowing a bit more about you as a person and putting into context the jobs you've held and and the reason you went the specific route in the career that you chose to. Sure. So I think that I would have to start right from uh, a little bit from my family. So as I was saying, like I have a pretty multicultural family, but I, which obviously gave me a different perspective of what was it, let's say more macho society in, uh, in Mexico, right? Uh, for me, my, my friends were growing up and, and we were going into university and a lot of my friends were basically going to university just because they were waiting actually to, to get married. And that was the reality of the society in Mexico, right? But that was actually not a possibility for me in my house. Like in my house, this was actually really important for me to have a career. Um, I was expected to do that in a way, right? Um, in fact, like my grandmother had two careers and this, this was something that was like expected of me in my house. And that gave me a little bit of a different perspective in the society. Um, at the time when I graduated, you have to think that in Mexico, only 5% of women were actually graduating and having a job because they would actually, some of them would either do a career or would not do a career, but then very few of them would actually end up working, right? Um, and so what happened is when I started working in marketing right away, all the time I was in meetings mostly with men. And mm -hmm. that exposed me pretty quickly to what is like sort of the typical boys club kind of talk, right? Um, which at the time, well, what, that was the only thing that I knew because that was my, my first job. And I can't say, I mean, it was never, um, although I was exposed to it, it was never, I never felt that it was uncomfortable for me. It was a conversation that was happening there and I was kind of part of it. But it was never something that it was an attack to me or that it was against women, right? It was just sort of me being exposed to what men talk about. And mm. that, I think, has helped me, to be honest, I think it has helped me more than, than to say or it made me uncomfortable. And, and what I mean with it is that it made me very early on in my career understand the type of conversations that actually men like to have during work and it forced me to learn in different ways in which we I had to network with men right because obviously I could not go out and say like oh let's go for a drink um you don't do that as a woman and, and definitely not in Mexico right so I had to learn in different ways to actually capture their attention to be able to network with them during work hours so that I could keep their interest because obviously it was not the same talking to me than talking to someone else that they were actually able to talk about cars or about something that it's more of a, what you would consider a man yeah. talk, right? But it became really natural for me. So that I think that actually really helped me. Um, then I had the opportunity, I was married to a French guy, so I actually moved to France and in France, completely different, right? Culturally in terms of working completely different. In fact, when I moved there, most of the people working in the office were women. And I sort of felt like, well, 
do you guys have anything against men, right? Like it's so strange for me to be around women. But also culturally, France is completely different for Mexico. So that gave me an, another exposure. And then after being 10, 10 years in France, I decided to move again and I moved to the U.S. And that, it was super interesting for me because it was kind of what I would say like a double whammy kind of thing. And uh, double whammy because on one hand, it was a time when in the U.S. it was like, oh, we need to bring women to higher positions. But also because I was born in Mexico, I also had the label of Hispanic. And that was like a totally new experience for me. And to be honest, in some ways, it made me pretty uncomfortable because I felt that I was being labeled and that I was given opportunities only for the fact that I was a woman and that I was Hispanic. Something that I had yeah. never experienced in well, for the time that I was in Europe. And it really made me question a lot of things because I, I was sort of thinking, well, is it because of my capacity? Am I, are, am I being promoted or am I giving this opportunity because of me? Or is it because I am Hispanic and like, where, how do people know that I'm Hispanic, right? Yeah, I have an accent, but still, right? Um, so that again, like, to me with a very different cultural reality. The way that we deal with these things in the U.S. versus the way that we deal with it in in Europe is is very different. And the way that men deal with it as well in each of these cultures. I feel yeah. personally, um, I feel that in Europe is a lot more natural the way of dealing and treating women. In the U.S. at that period, men were a little bit afraid because of the amount of complaints that women could actually carry to HR or the way that they had to change the vocabulary, um, the way that all of a sudden they could not be in a room, for example, in an office with only you talking to them, then the, the door would have to be open. A series of things wow. that were not natural for them and were not natural for me either. It made me sort of question a lot on, am I really sure of what I am doing and the value that I am bringing to the business and, and how could I do it, right? And where do I really fit and what are the things that I feel that I can really bring to this business or how can I develop my career without feeling that I am being favored? And I think that that's a little bit of a balance of what has happened in the world with trying to push women uh, for top positions. And yeah. how do you do it in a natural way to really say you are allowed to be in one of these positions because you have the skills and the capabilities that are needed versus let's just push women because this is their, like to be able to balance sure. out until it becomes a norm in the society, right? Yeah. Um, and now I am back to Europe, uh, Switzerland being also very different, I would say, than, than France because it's less mm -hmm. Latin. Um, and the job that I have now, we actually don't really operate. This division of robot doesn't operate in developed markets. So even though we, the headquarters are based in Switzerland, all of our business is actually in emerging markets, which means that most right. of the people that I interact with 
are from emerging markets. Um, but I think that there, the balance between um, having worked in places like US or like France, and then my background from Mexico has been actually really helpful. And to be honest, I think that my age also helps because it comes with experience. <laughs> so yeah. I take things, uh, things a little bit uh, with the uh, more more lightly, right? Than than I used when I started my career, I think. How long were you in the States for then? Uh eight years. Eight years, wow. Oh, that's it was it was a long time. So it sounds like it had that was probably quite a pivotal moment for you, would that be fair to say? Yeah, it is true also because at the time the company that I was working for um uh, was an American company. So I did not expect that change in culture from going from France to the US. I I had in mind the idea that I knew it quite well because I had always been working in the same company. Um, I knew the people. And in a way, it is very strange because you know the language. So you feel that the understanding is actually going to be there. But yeah. all of a sudden, you realize that it is as culturally different as moving to any other country and it has these specificities and the way that you have to network and the the way that you have to actually build relationships with people is different just because it is a different culture even if you feel that okay i i understand the language and and we kind of all speak English, but it's, yeah. it's not the same, I think. It's so interesting. On this show, we talk a lot about being female and the impact of being female, but that double whammy and it really never having been something that you'd been faced with before, having to look at the fact that they considered you Hispanic. It must have been a real shock to your system at that time. It honestly was, even because you know how uh, sometimes when you need to feel formats and especially in the U.S. And, and they ask you, like, which race are you? And it has always been, like, really funny for me to sort of say, well, should I actually choose Hispanic because I was born in Mexico? Or should I actually choose, like, white because all of my family is actually not at all from Mexico? And it has always been a, a little bit of a discussion in my brain. But actually experiencing what it actually means in a society yeah. to be considered to be in a box. It's something that I had never felt it, not even when I was in Mexico and I was the only woman in the meeting room. I never felt that people were dealing with me separately. So it was quite interesting, I would say. So let's go back a little bit further, if we can. Um, so, so tell me what it was that got you into the pharma industry in the first place and where that passion came from. Sure. So um, I actually started my career in marketing. So I have always been in marketing and I'm really passionate about innovation. And um, with time, I actually learned that I was very comfortable with change, which is something that not everyone is, is comfortable with. And I wanted to continue my career in, in, in marketing and doing the things that I love doing and working in innovation. But I wanted also a challenge for myself. And I had started working with some technology companies and in part because the industry of market research had not evolved or changed that much with time, but technology started making some changes to this 
this part of marketing. And I got really excited about it. And when I started thinking about, I want something different for my career, I thought if I want to do something in marketing, which is different from what I have done, have a challenge. Pharma is a really good area because I think that technology is actually disrupting in some areas pharma. So I wanted to keep on working in marketing and I wanted to keep on working in innovation, but I wanted a challenge for myself. And I thought I, if I work in pharma, I could still do innovation and still do in marketing, bring value of things that I have actually learned in the other industries and try to see how technology would drive a change or a transformation of the industry within and try to actually drive that transformation. And so then Abbott presented me with this opportunity of saying, how can you help us drive the change of the organization or transform the organization into a customer-driven and data-driven organization? And that was totally like within what I what I knew what to do and where I was excited what to do. And so that is how I ended up in pharma. So I took on the challenge, even though most of the people in pharma have like more of a medical background and I didn't know anything. And at the beginning, I couldn't even pronounce our brands or our molecules, right? But I had the experience of understanding what, understanding what customer-driven actually meant. And I was really passionate about okay, let's try to see how I can help this transformation, not let the disruption just actually come and, and erase everything, but rather really help Abbott grow through this transformation. And that's how I ended up in pharma. And honestly, I'm super passionate about it. I think that pharma has the advantage of really being close to the consumer, even though there are so many regulations and limitations. But in reality, you're really all the time thinking about how can you help people live better lives. And even though it sounds like as a cliche, you're really trying to do that, right? And you can really see how you can make a difference in people's life. And I think as you grow older, this part becomes more important to fulfill, I think. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. So what are the most exciting things from your perspective that we can look at with the partnership, if you like, between technology and pharma? So I, th I think there's a lot of little pieces, but it all comes to, I think that technology will give us a possibility of really transforming the experience of healthcare for people. I think mm -hmm. up until now or up until a few years, um, for people going to the doctor, the doctor was a little bit like a god. You went yeah. to the doctor, you didn't know anything about it, and you just had to believe what the doctor was actually saying, and you had to apply whatever was happening. And everything on how healthcare actually worked for someone meant actually siloed activities. Let's say sport or whatever you did on sport or whatever you ate were too completely separate activities versus actually going to the doctor that might give you a pill. And then you went to a pharmacy that was not being connected with it. You went and bought it. And then if you used it or not used it, and then the next time that you went to the doctor, you might recall or not some events that were important, but everything was very separate activities. And the role of 
let's call it the patient, right? Over a person itself in how your health is taken care of or you have very little input in that. I think that technology will allow us to create or to transform that healthcare into a true experience where every little thing is connected and where you as a person, as a patient, you will have a saying. And the fact that you have a saying will actually make you more of an active part of it, will make it easier for you to have a better resolution of the problem because you will know what you're trying to do and how it is important. And we will be able to transform it. Of course, this is more of a long-term thing, but we will be able to transform it more into part of your normal life and more part of prevention and how you take care of your overall life rather than reminding people that all of a sudden they have a problem and that they might die about it. And so I think that this is actually really exciting. And this would not be possible without technology. It's a long way to go. And again, I think that the industry needs to evolve quite a bit because there's still the regulations, the limitations, and there's, we have a lot of barriers that we will actually need to work with. But I, I think I I can see a future that is actually good for all of us in, in how we deal with our health. So tell me about the most pivotal moments of your career so far. What have been the the main motivators for you when you've made a change in your career, do you think? I think the first one I can think of was very early on in my career. I started working, at the time I was working for Unilever, I was working in marketing. And my boss moved to a different position within the company. And so within three months that I had started, I was kind of alone. And the director of marketing at the time came to me and said, like, hey, I have a challenge for you. Um, Would you work on launching a new product? And that was a hair product at the time. And I think it was a little bit of naivety and like sort of ignorance from my side or pride or whatever you want to call it, or a little bit of how my family had actually raised me, sort of thinking you can do whatever you want, that I didn't think twice. And I said, yes, definitely, I can work on it. But I honestly didn't really know what it actually meant. I had to work on things like put together a financial plan, put together a competitive plan. I had no clue. I just came out of school. But at that time, I needed the help of a lot of people within the company to be able to accomplish what they had asked me to do because I didn't know how to do it. And so it forced me to, one, understand the responsibility, what it meant. It, it also gave me a lot of reassurance that I could actually do it. And very early on, I learned the importance of networking. And from that exercise, I actually was able to get my first sort of mentor. And the importance of having a mentor in a company I learned that it was essential for me to actually develop and to continue my career. So it was a little bit of just by chance, but it really changed my career. And that was only, let's say, three months after I started, after I started working. So that was pretty essential, I think, of where I actually changed or what influenced my career. In fact, in that moment, 
So I started working in marketing and because of my mentor at the time, that is the moment where I moved after launching the product and, and whatever, I moved into what is called market research or what is called the insights and analytics now. And that was a time and it was because of my mentor at the time. So that was definitely one of my pivotal moments, right? Yeah. Have your mentors, you talk about a mentor uh, and, and this is another area that really fascinates me. Has it always been a mentor within a specific company or do you have a mentor just in life as well who would always be your, your go-to person that you would talk to about career? So I think that I've kept like the mentors throughout my career with most of them, I still have contact. And so now they are outside of, like I have a lot of them that are outside of pharma, for example. Or that yeah. I actually was able to come close with for one reason or another one, and they just stayed in my life. I think what happens with time is you keep people, there's people that help you in a very specific point in time with an issue. Um, and then you learn that some people are better at certain circumstances than others. So some people will remain as mentor for some technical, let's say, more of technical issues, while it gives you also the opportunity of saying, well, this person is better when I really don't know if I should choose path A or B more on a personal level, right? Yes, related to your career, but more on a personal level. And you know that you can always pick up the phone and actually talk to them. While there's also others where you have more of a regular touch point. Um, yeah. And which that, for me, in my case, that actually changes depending on, on what I feel that I need. Uh, so if, if it is something that has to do more with leadership or if it's something that has to do more with team management and I have different people that I go to. Of course, mm. a lot of these mentors have become my friends. So yeah, there's a fine line between thinking like, are they, am I having a conversation with one of my mentors or are they having a conversation with one of my friends? But I guess that it doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter there. I do have some people that are just mentors and that it's like, I send an email and I'm like, Hey, I would like to actually a little bit of coaching, a little bit of mentorship yeah. on this. And I know that they are available for that. And is that something then that you put it as important in terms of in your career and would advise others to do the same, find a mentor. Definitely. I think it is really important. I think it is not only, I think it is important mentally, right? It gives you a strength. This is people, a lot of these people end up being people that know you and that you probably, there are moments where you need reassurance and that you might actually mm. need to know that someone else probably just thinks the same way or not, or that helps you think in a different way of a problem. But I think something that is really important is to have mentors within your company. And this yeah. is, I don't think that this is specific for women. I think this is very true for men as well. They all have mentors. You need a mentor in the company. You can't do it alone. This, this is yeah. not true. So one thing is the mentors that you have to be able to bounce ideas with. But I think that always within your career, in your company, you actually always need a mentor, someone that will actually look after you. And the other thing that for me, 
I have learned that has been important is to have mentors that are not only, sometimes women actually want feel more comfortable to have mentors that are women. Mm-hmm. And I have found that it's really important to try to have both. Uh, not yeah. to try to say like, well, it's more comfortable and it's easier to have another woman as a mentor, but the advice and the the perspective that men can actually have when they are mentoring you is also very different and it helps you analyze and see things from a very different perspective. So I actually really think that it's important. And in fact, I try to mentor every year. I have at least three or four people that I am actually mentoring. And I try to do it not only mentoring women, but even mentoring men, because I think men, women mentoring men also gives them a different perspective of how they actually should see things, right? And to be honest, I think a lot of the things that are probably perceived as these might not be adequate, right, for a professional environment, sometimes when seen through the lens of a cultural difference, it gives you a very different perspective. And this is not to say that everything should be allowed, not at all. I think that when things are disrespectful, they are disrespectful. But I think trying to understand some of the cultural differences, it really helps you balance things out and try to see things without that personal touch of saying that was a comment that was like inadequate just because I am here. Um, when it is not for you, the comment, right? If you, if you see it through the lens and you understand fully where it actually comes and what the cultural background is of it, it actually helps you understand that it has, it is just that it is a comment. I think that this is something that we could actually invest more in most of the companies on making people understand these cultural differences that might not seem important, but they are, right? Yeah. It tends to be quite taboo, doesn't it? I think people have become so afraid of talking about it sometimes that in a way that does more harm than good. It's it's much better to have a conversation open and frank so people understand and and then can empathize and be informed rather than just choose to say nothing or feel awkward. I agree. And I think, for example, that is something that is great now in in my new position, right? In in this position in Abbott, like my team, everyone is from a different nationality. And so we talk about these cultural differences and we have learned actually to laugh about them, right? And it makes a big difference in how things are actually taken. But even now that the team has been working together for several years, all of them, and that they all have a really good relationships, it still happened today that someone might make a comment and someone else from the team is sort of like surprised about it. But because we are open about it and we can actually discuss about it, it it really takes out, as you were saying, like this idea of, wow, this is taboo and he might have said something different. Um, So I think this is, as you were saying, this is really important rather than just assuming and treating it as taboo, just being there in the open and understanding that this might end up causing, that the background is important, that that end up causing a a difference, right? In understanding, um, it's really important, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
I do. I think you're right. I think it's something that companies could do more of. Um, just that general education and making people feel more confident to have those open discussions and not be fearful of those little differences, if you like, or at least talking about them. I agree. And I think the other thing is we have started, I have started seeing that there's more talk about it, but I actually think that over the past years, there have been, there has been a lot of emphasis in trying to prepare women for higher positions and doing a lot of coaching or doing a lot of emphasis on how women need to act or how women should respond or giving training to women. And I think we need to balance that by training men actually on how they should feel about having women at work, how mm. they should treat women. So I'm putting a little bit more of emphasis in terms of it's not the women that have to do it different or the women that have to interpret it different. It is also the men that need actually to react different to interacting with women, to not feeling weird because women are part of this conversation. Yeah. And I think it has started to change. I have seen some in some companies a little bit of emphasis to that, but I think we could actually do more in that. In trying less hard to say we need to do a different world for women. We need to give them disadvantage or disadvantage because they are women. Stop worrying too much about that and start working on what does it mean for men because it is change for them. That is a reality, right? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And it can also almost come across as threatening for men, this empowerment of women, you know, so... So handle it right, educate the men as well. I'd like more men to be listening to this podcast. And, and whenever there are women events in pharma or in tech or, you know, men need to be there too. So they get that perspective and they have a better understanding. It isn't just that it's for the women and to support women. It's to support the whole of society. Right. And I um, think that this is, you know, like uh, some of the, the medicine that we have, right, is... For women, is either we have some hormones or, for example, when you're talking about menopause, right? Or when you're talking even about menstruation or you're talking about even pregnancy. Yeah. We are very focused as a, overall as a society on saying, well, it is the woman. But you should also talk about your partner and what is the support that your partner is giving you. But the partner can actually not support you through these events if they don't understand what it is. And yeah. so unless we bring men together to this and we make it something of a more normal conversation, right, it won't be normal for women either. And so I think that the same way that we work on those things and we try to bring them to this to be more of a supportive, it is the same in the industry. It's not only women, it is also working on men and how how this is actually changing things for men and what men can actually learn from women and from the fact that all of a sudden they have women in the corporation, what can they learn from them? So on that note of, of learning, um, talk to me a little bit about the main lessons that you have learned throughout your career or maybe, to put it another way, if you could go back to your... 18 year old self <laughs> what advice would you give yourself do you think 
Uh, I was privileged in being raised in a house where I was taught that everything was possible for me. And I think that a lot of women don't have that, part because of society, in part because this was just the background. But I think that gave me a reassurance and sort of I went into work not thinking that I was behind or that it would actually be difficult for me. And so some of the things that became difficult, I didn't think that it was more difficult for me than for the guy that was sitting next to me. And that was ignorance, but in reality, it was because of how I was actually raised. And so I think that helped me a lot. Um, I think that I would have, I have gotten a lot better in networking. And I think that if I would have learned this earlier on in my career, this would have been actually very helpful. Without a doubt, most men are much better at this than women. I think that uh, women are get things done. We go to work and we are like, what is the objective? What is that we need to do? And we do it. And we put less emphasis in just building relationships at work. We don't put that emphasis or we don't understand that you need that to be able to get things done. And I think that, to be honest, in part because of my personality, but that took took me a while to understand and to understand that it was not wasted time uh, to just network with people. And if I would have actually learned that earlier on, I think it would have been very helpful. So that's probably, if I would choose one thing, that's probably the one thing that I would say we should put more emphasis on. Learning the importance of just building relationships, right? Yeah. Yeah. And talking to people you don't know as well. That's, I think that's a huge thing. It's so easy, especially when you're young and confidence isn't always where it needs to be. It's really difficult to go up and speak to people that you don't know and have confidence in what you're saying. In conference situations, in large meetings, it's much easier to sit and be quiet and say nothing and disappear off and <laughs> not be too visible. That's right. And you tend to think I am doing my job, right? But no, this part is actually really, really important and will help you do your job better and easier. But you don't understand at the beginning. And as you say, like it is kind of uncomfortable and you don't know how to exactly go and talk to them. Because the things that women also like to talk about are not the ones that you necessarily talk about during work. So learning to talk about these things. And another thing that I think, and this is probably for men, is a little bit easier or they learn about it easier, right? is the importance of learning financial uh, vocabulary and feeling very comfortable with it. That's the other thing yeah. that you don't necessarily think about it unless you are in finance or something like that. But otherwise, you learn it later in your career, right? Or how important yeah. it is. So I've got one more question for you and then I'll let you go, I promise. You mentioned earlier when you were in that male-dominated environment in Mexico, and you talked about learning to network with men and how different it is. And they would go for a drink or whatever as a group of men. And you as a female couldn't take that approach. I'm dying to know just some of the little things that you did that you found that worked for you, how you did navigate that. What sort of things did you do to get them comfortable talking to you? The first thing I did, which I was the most comfortable to me is to try to find things that I could 
do for them or that I could solve for them so that we could have a conversation about. So try to understand that they would not talk to me unless I could give them something that was of value of them right, in terms of the business. And so like yeah. really it was easy for me at the time to say, I am going to really understand what they are looking for in terms of data or in terms of, and try to get to tell them, I know this piece of data, I can give it to you, but I need your help on this. And, and so that sort of understanding that I could not just go to them with a demand, right? Unless I was giving yeah. something back to them. That was the easiest way or for me early on to network. Later on, I actually learned that if you, you learn how to, what is the trend of the moment in what they are talking about. So for example, there was a time in my career where guys were all about golf, right? And yeah, oh, did you go and play golf? And we did this and we did. So then I needed to learn a little bit about golf, right? To, to talk to them <laughs> and make a few comments and make a few. So sports is always in there that you can actually learn a little bit about and try to make some comments or at least don't look like I have no clue what they are talking about. Uh, I think it, at some other points in time, there is like restaurants and that becomes like the trend of the moment, talking about restaurants and cooking and whatever. So learn the vocabulary. Yes, you can't actually go out and take a drink with them. But at least when they are talking about it, you can participate in the conversation. You don't seem like, I have no clue what they are talking about, right? So even if you're it's not like interested, learning a language. Well, exactly. Learn a language, right? Yeah. Um, and put a little bit of effort and then that's it. That's a really good tip. <laughs> Thank you very much, Diana. Are there any other questions that, or things that, you wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about? I think the only thing that I can think of that you and I had talked about before um, and that maybe it's important now is um, with COVID, I think that an opportunity for women in a way opened up. And, and what I mean with it is, um, yes, in some markets, it has become more difficult for women because women have to go back of supporting the family, right? But I, I am not necessarily talking about that. I am talking about the opportunity within the corporate world. And I think COVID opened the door to everyone to the importance of emotional support for yeah. the teams and, and for people within the corporation. And I think that there's no doubt that women know how to do this better than men. We're just, it's just more natural for us than for men. And I think this is a good time where men are also realizing that this is important. Either a lot of them have realized that they require it, or they are actually realizing that their teams require it. And they don't necessarily, they aren't necessarily comfortable or they don't know necessarily how to do it. And I think this is a great opportunity for women to actually help some of the men within the company, to try to mentor them here, right? And to try to show men that there is an important balance of what women can actually bring, right? And what we can act, the value that it brings to an organization of having both men and women and how we can support each other. 
And I think that this is so obvious that it's actually really good uh, moment for women to take the advantage of it. And I think we should actually do it. I think you're exactly right. You talked about earlier, different genders mentoring each other. And whilst the reverse is true at the moment, there is definitely that need for that emotional understanding that that there's no doubt about it, that on the whole, women are stronger in that area. And wouldn't it be interesting to see what we could achieve over the next few years as we're going through a massive period of change anyway on the back of a pandemic, if you could see what we can do with the technology and d different mindsets and openness to that diversity and different cultures. I agree. I think this is a disruption moment, right? And I think that we need to take advantage of that. Also, because as you're saying with technology, right, it means that every company needs to transform itself. And during transformation, there needs to be emotional support to the teams and to the people within the organization. So driving that change and taking people along with you on this transformation is important. And again, this is an area where women are so much better for it, right? And so this is a, such a good moment for us actually to take uh, a stand on it and to say like, look, this is not fighting, right? This is where we can actually support each other and this comes natural. And I think that this is a good moment for men to be open to hearing how to do it and how to do it differently and how to do it easier. So I think it is a great moment for the industry. And I think that this is a, a great moment for us as patients, let's call that away. And I think it is yeah. great for women as well in the industry. Yeah. I think for this particular podcast episode, I might have to change the name because I think that there's such a message for men in this one as well. It might have to be this man cam. <laughs> thank you so much, Liana. Olivia, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Everything you've talked about has really resonated with me, the mentoring in particular and your outlook on the world cultures and the experience you had when you moved to the states it's really valuable what you've had to share and it's been really fascinating to learn that thank you thank you olivia for having me and i look forward to talking to you soon again well that's it from me for another week thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed this episode and the podcast in general do subscribe and spread the word on social media and feel free to post a positive rating and review. Don't forget to go to www.thisgirlcam.com to see this interview in print and to find out who my guest is for next week. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, all under This Girl Cam. Thanks again, everyone. Bye for now.